This is the Rebellious Wellness Over 50 podcast for women over 50 who have a lot of living yet to do, who want to enjoy the ride for as long as they can in good health and with a sense of humor, maybe a little wine. I'm Gregory Ann Cox, and I believe it's time to bust the myth that aging equals decline in every area of life. Nonsense. I would say something else, but I'll keep it clean for now. Aging happens, but it doesn't have to ruin your life. You just need to get a little rebellious in your approach. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Rebellious Wellness Over 50. Today, we're going to talk about being strong in all areas of life, but especially in the arena of the body. My guest, Haley Shapley, is a freelance author, uh, weight trainer par excellence, kettlebell lover, and she is the author of a book called Strong Like Her, which reviews... Why don't you describe the book for me, Helen? Yeah. So Strong Like Her is a cultural history about women and physical strength. I start in ancient times and go all the way through today looking at um, women and the many ways they've contributed to society at various points throughout history that are related to physical strength. So some of the stops along the way include the Olympics in ancient Greece, the circus rings of the early 1900s, the sands of Muscle Beach in the 1930s, marathon races of the 60s when women were competing for the first time, the weight rooms of the 70s, and then the running tracks and soccer fields and gymnasiums of today where um, all kinds of women from all walks of life are pursuing physical strength. And what a great, you mentioned, uh, you're going to tell us a story about one of the women you featured in your book. You're talking about empowerment, how empowering it feels to be strong, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think you know, exercise of all types is is wonderful for many different reasons um, related to health and um, other aspects of our well-being. Um, but I think there's something specific about strength training that is really empowering, particularly for women who have never thought of themselves as physically strong. Um, so I was working on this book and Um, I had an opportunity to go to Iceland to run in the Spartan Ultra World Championship. What even is that? (laughs) Sorry? What is that? The Ultra World What is that? It is a 24-hour obstacle course race where some of the best obstacle course racers in the world were there. It was December in Iceland, so it was extremely (laughs) cold and dark, and the... The obstacles were challenging. You're carrying these heavy sandbags, um, you know, big um, atlas stones. Um, The terrain was incredibly steep. There's a javelin throw and nets to climb. And it was pretty intense. So I was there as a journalist, not um, necessarily as a competitor, but as part of covering the story, I had the opportunity to do one lap of this race because I found out I was going three days beforehand. So oh <laughs> going gosh. for 24 hours would have been um, probably outside of my <laughs> wheelhouse um, at that time. But even just one lap was seven miles. So it was um, it was definitely a challenge, uh, but it felt amazing to be out there, to be around all of these strong people and to be, uh, you know, participating in this activity. Um, And so while I was on my way back from Iceland, I had a layover in Chicago and I struck up a conversation with a man sitting near me and he was like, 
you know what? You should meet my wife. She's very strong. And a few minutes later, um, she wheels up with her luggage. Her name is Edie. And she was in her 80s at the time. And she started to tell me about how when she was 75, she was standing in the grocery store looking at this 25-pound bucket of kitty litter. And she could not figure out how to get it in her cart. Uh, And she was just like, you know, she remembers she had to ask another customer to take it down. And she just thought to herself, this is ridiculous. I can't depend on other people to do these simple things for me. Like, I'm going to do something about this. Um, And so at the same, around the same time, she actually won a one-month membership to a local CrossFit gym. And they started her off with an assessment of what she could do. And she remembers she couldn't do a single sit-up. She couldn't get off the floor without using something to you know, pull herself up. Um, but she started a program of lifting light weights. And within a couple of weeks, she really could feel the difference in her body. Um, she, she could do sit-ups. Um, and she just kept going. And she was able to get that kitty litter in the store Um, So once she got to 25 pounds, she set a goal for 35. Then she set a goal for 50. And I remember her telling me that on her 81st birthday, she deadlifted 121 pounds. And it just absolutely like lit up her face to share this with me. And I could just feel her pride. I could feel that empowerment. And what I thought was especially cool, you know, I interviewed a lot of elite athletes for this book. And they are super inspirational. But what I loved about Edie is that she was talking about how great it was to be able to go out and get the mail, you know, to be able to stand and cook for longer periods of time, to be able to go grocery shopping and not have to worry about um, what you're what you're buying. And I think that is where the magic of strength training really comes in, is that it does bring an ease to your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and especially... It's especially easy to not notice how less strong we are, how the muscles are weakening until we have to lift 25 pounds of calories. Or in my case, we buy it's a 42 pound bag ish thing. And I all of a sudden I realized I could not get that 42 pounds. I could get it into the shopping cart, but once it's down there, getting it out, getting it out, damn it, I'm going to beat this thing. And so, of course, I did what sounds like what she did. I, I never really thought of even deadlifting anything, but I can now lift the kitty litter again. And also the idea of, you can speak to this, um, but our stability in terms of falling and catching ourselves and whether we, if we got dizzy or lightheaded, if you're stronger, uh, your muscles are going to react in a way that might keep you upright versus somebody that doesn't have that strength, right? Absolutely. Balance is one of those things that just does tend to decline for everyone. There's not a whole lot we can do about it except working on our strength. So um, this is actually something I've been working on with my grandfather because uh, there are good studies showing that if you can stand on one leg for longer than five seconds, you radically decrease your chances of having a fall that is then catastrophic um, because you do have that strength in your leg to be able to um, to withstand any kind of shakes in your balance. So um, strength training really can stave off a lot of those aging-related issues that people run into. And for the people listening who 
can't imagine strength training. We all have heard we should be lifting weights, weights two days a week, everything else the rest of the week. Yeah. Uh, and, and you mentioned that woman, Edie, I think her name was, she started small, right? They gave her a program of what she could manage. So I would say to anybody listening who feels like, how the heck would I ever do that? Don't try to do it on your own. Find somebody in your local, you know, if it's a JCC, a Y, a health club, tell them what you want to do. I want to get stronger. Can you help me? And they will get an assessment going and so that you don't hurt yourself because that's the danger. Trying to do it on your own, trying to lift more than you should, too fast, not great form. You can end up injuring yourself. Definitely. And I think a lot of people are afraid of strength training for that reason that it seems quite dangerous to them. And this applies across age groups. Um, And actually, strength training is safer than so many other activities we do, particularly sports that we play, if it's done in a safe and controlled manner and you have good form. So I always recommend for anyone who's starting out to consult with a professional first and just make sure that you understand those basics about form. When you're doing a deadlift, you want to make sure that you're hinging at the hips correctly. If you do that, it is going to make picking up a bucket of kitty litter or anything else off the ground so much easier because you're not going to use your back anymore to lift. You're going to actually use your glute muscles, the back body, and all of that. It will make things easier, but you've just got to learn those those functional cues first. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned a kettle, kettle bell, CrossFit gym, sorry. CrossFit is one of those things that I am, I, I just love the idea of it. But whenever I've seen videos or Instagram posts, it seems really high intensity all the time. Like I'm scared. <laughs> and I love TRX and I know that some CrossFit gyms use those. But it, are there levels of within CrossFit? Can you always stay at a sort of modified level or do you have to progress into those high levels? Definitely. And I think, you know, CrossFit is a, methodology for working out, but every gym does it a little bit differently. So it Mm -hmm. kind of depends on where you go. But the whole um, basis behind it is that the programming is targeted at at the person and there are modifications available. So if you can't do a burpee, which is, you know, getting onto the ground, laying down and jumping back up, you can stand and put your legs back and bring them back up and lift your arms over your head. There are all kinds of like different ways to progress that until you get to the full burpee or maybe you never do. And that's, that's okay. That's where you're at. Um, so I think lots of CrossFit gyms and just other general strength training programs have those modifications baked in. And, you know, Edie kept going to that gym and she said she loved it. She loved working out around the younger people and they were always very respectful of her and really cheered her on a lot. Mm-hmm. So she got a lot of um, social benefits from it in addition to the physical benefits that she was getting because she was getting this interaction that was energizing her. Mm. That's another good point about the idea of connection and community. Now that we are coming out of COVID, gyms are starting to open up again. And for people that never really thought of themselves as wanting to go to a gym for anything, could be yoga, could be a dance class, could be weightlifting. That social uh, interaction is super important as we age, especially coming off of a two-year period where we've mostly not been socializing face-to-face. Absolutely. I I just think exercising with other people around, at least, is so much more fun. And I know during the pandemic, a lot of people have found success with creating home programs and and gyms of their own. 
Um, so I think everyone's different, but I am definitely somebody who loves to have other people around. Um, it, it creates a community, a bond. And that's one of the, um, I talk a lot about Muscle Beach or I have a chapter about it in Strong Like Her. And part of the magic of Muscle Beach in the 30s and 40s, which is where physical culture in the US really developed, was that um, community aspect that they had. Mm. The fact that they all were out there every day giving it their all and that they trusted each other to do these um, kind of crazy tricks that they were doing. Um, they remained friends for their entire lives. And so I think that's just a great example of the power of having um, a community around you. Yeah. Now, you, you, you work out, obviously. You are a fitness-minded person. It's like a part of the core of who you are, right? Can you ever I see yourself not doing that? Uh, I mean, I've had periods of my life where I have worked out less than, than I do now um, and more than I do now. I think part of what inspired this book originally is that when I first became an adult and I was out in the working world, I found I didn't have um, those organized sports that I had played growing up. I didn't have a team or practices to go to. And so I kind of was floundering a bit with figuring out what I wanted my fitness life to look like. And so I started to give myself challenges. Um, so I ran a marathon. I trained for a triathlon. I summited Mount Rainier, which is a 14,400-foot mountain um, in Washington State. Um, and then I signed up for a bodybuilding show, which requires a, a whole lifestyle change and, a, and a, lot of, a lot of working out. And that is when I got the idea for Strong Like Her, just because people were saying a lot of interesting things to me, like, don't get too big because men won't like that, or don't hurt yourself or don't change your body in a way that would be unattractive. And I was curious where we get these ideas about what women should look like mm -hmm. and, and how much muscle is too much muscle and um, you know who the trailblazers were, who really were pushing their athletic potential before it was a popular thing to do. Um, so that kind of set in motion the research for this book. It's so interesting. I was asked to read a book that is in pre-publication, uh, it's a dating book from a man's perspective. And okay. one of the ways that he, and he's, he's super, super well-known, does relationship coaching, huge groups of people anyway. Um, but one of the things that kept coming up in the book when he would describe somebody in his audience, he, he would often say, she was so attractive, she was thin, she was athletic, she was right, these descriptors. And they asked us, the, the reason I was reading it is to make comments on this and that. And I thought, just like you said, what is what is athletic? What is thin have to do with? Was she a woman in her thirties who had a question? Would have been enough, you know? Or yeah. But it's just ingrained in our society that women have a certain look about us, and and I love that you mentioned don't get too big because I I used to think this, and I'm sure that other people think because we're so used to seeing bodybuilder women who have very defined muscles that look huge in comparison to what are other muscles that don't work out that much might look like. And they think it's unattractive, but why do we think it's unattractive? It may not appeal to us, but it's certainly attractive to some people and to the women that are competing generally. They like their bodies. Exactly. And I went through that same, same, all of those same questions myself. When I first started strength training, 
I had this idea in my mind that I didn't even really know was there, that I didn't want to be big. I didn't want to look muscular, didn't want a wide back. You know, that wasn't for me. But as I started to strength train, I cared less about that. I really was more focused on other things. I, I broadened my idea about what my own body could look like and what I was capable of. And so I think it's totally fine for people to want to um, look a certain way. And if you strength train, you're not going to immediately um, change your body in, in a way that you don't like. And if, if you start to do that, you can always change your plan. So I think, you know, the fear of being bulky might stop mm -hmm. um, some women from pursuing this, but I think that once you get into it, usually those fears subside. And I find that um, women aren't as concerned about that once they kind of get those empowering benefits from strength training. But mm -hmm. even, even if you, you still don't want to look um, a certain way, you know, you do have some control over that. Yeah. Was there a through line you mentioned, and I didn't even know that there were women, I'm going to call them athletes back in Greece, you know, the early day, I'm thinking the Colosseum and lions and gladiators, but was there a through line in the women that you could talk to, obviously not those, of, right. of why they did it? I mean, we, we, many women, men exercise for health or for fitness, for looking good for this and that. And then there are people that just really like to compete. Did you find that there was an equal distribution or all of those elite athletes obviously want to compete, but you spoke to regular people as well. Why do they right. do that? Yeah, I think honestly, everyone has different um, reasons. And that is part of why I wanted to profile so many different women. Um, in addition to the historical athletes who I chatted with when possible or profiled when not, um, I also feature 23 modern day athletes in the book um, who all have a beautiful portrait. And they all come from different backgrounds. They all have different body types. They're a wide range of ages. And that's just to show that, um, you know, strength doesn't look one way. And there are a lot of reasons why um, you might find your way uh, to strength. And um, everyone sort of, yeah, does funnel from a different place, but kind of ends up at the same point, I think. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about osteoporosis and strength training. Yeah, I think... You know, that's a huge concern for women um, as they age. And there's great research showing that strength training can help. Another thing I wanted to mention, you talked earlier about like, oh, maybe I'm, I'm not interested in um, this particular type of strength training. So we should probably talk about what strength training means. It, okay. it can mean working out with a barbell or dumbbells or kettlebells. It could be the weight machines. Um, it could even be elastic bands or just your own body weight. Doing a push-up is a strength training exercise. So if there's one of those things that doesn't appeal to you, that's okay. Like there are different ways to, um, to get some resistance training in. Um, so when you do some type of resistance training, um, you know, your spine and your hips are quite vulnerable to osteoporosis as you age. Um, but squats, leg presses, lat pull downs, seated rows, back extensions, those are all great ways to counteract that. Um, and there are also issues, um, you know, related to incontinence as we age um, due to estrogen levels decreasing. And um, that can also be helped with strength training. Um, squats and glute bridges are a great way to address that. 
Um, anyone who's experiencing hot flashes, um, there's new research showing that vigorous exercise can actually make a difference in both the number of hot flashes a woman experiences and how intense they are, which kind of feels counterintuitive to people. You would think, oh, I should probably stick with calm exercise, but by pushing your blood to the skin surface, it helps your brain more efficiently deal with heat in times of stress, the fitter you are. Um, so having some kind of intense exercise, like more intense than a walk, which can be great for other reasons, but um, doing something a little more intense than that can help with that as well. Absolutely. And in fact, it benefits your heart if you're doing weight-bearing exercises or weight training exercises in a way that pushes you to that place of not really hurting, but slightly uncomfortable when I'm working a lot. Yeah. Cardio. Yeah. I think a lot of people think that, um, you know, the only way to help your heart is through cardio exercises, but strength is also working your heart and can feel a lot like cardio when you're doing it a certain way. So I definitely feel like I've gone for a run after some lifting sessions and my heart is absolutely benefiting from that. I had an opportunity when I lived in North Carolina briefly to have the Mr. North Carolina as my trainer at the gym. Oh, Oh my, I would have done anything he asked me to do. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) that was the best um, because he took me through a series of eight, 10 exercises, two times, three times, you know, I built up the repetitions and stuff, but I was always wiped out. By the time I got to the place where I was proficient at the exercises, I knew I had exercised for sure after mm-hmm. a 45 minute workout. And it really, it felt just the same. I figure if I'm exercising, I'm sweating, endorphins are happening. I'm getting, I'm feeling good no matter what kind of exercise it is. Yeah, absolutely. And like we've said before, exercise just in general is great, um, but it is good to make sure you do have some of that weight bearing exercise in there for the bone density, um, for the balance, for for some of these other things we've talked about. Yeah. And we lose muscle at an alarming rate after like 45 or 50 when estrogen, again, estrogen is the, um, the sad thing is that we lose our estrogen. Estrogen, the body wants to store fat as a woman starts to lose estrogen because fat actually produces hormones and it produces estrone in place of the other two estrogens so that we still have some because it's so good for our bodies. So then we have the double whammy of we're losing muscle. We might be a little tired because of all this hormone stuff. We're getting a little chubby in the belly because of this estrogen problem. <laughs> and then, yeah. So it's it really is in our best interest to find a fitness routine and add some weight bearing in there because of the reasons you said, but also because, and I didn't know about the hot flash thing, but that's great for people, especially that don't want to take any, you know, bioidenticals or other kind of things to uh, stave those off. Right. I think, you know, the best strategy that we know of right now to counteract that, that sarcopenia or losing muscle mass is, um, is to have more lean muscle tissue because this is going to not only burn more calories when you're at rest, so it can kind of counteract some of that um, weight gain that happens for all those reasons you just mentioned. Um, but you, when you have more muscle mass, then you're losing some doesn't make as big of a difference. Right. Um, you have a little, a little bit more of a buffer there. And so people who do have a lot of lean muscle mass while they're going um, into the age when it starts to 
disappear a bit, don't have nearly as big of a drop off in it. And I should also point out, it's never too late to start. So if you don't have a lot of muscle mass and you've already lost what you did have, you can still build some. And in fact, beginners build it way faster than anyone else. No matter what age you are, you'll get a lot of benefit at the beginning. Um, So it's definitely worth incorporating no matter what point you're at. And that would motivate me if I felt like I can barely lift this one pound weight and my arm doesn't have any definition. If I'm going to put it on fast, say a month later, I might see my muscle slightly defined in my arm. That would be super motivating for me. Absolutely. I, I look back on the time I was a beginner to this all really fondly because I just got a PR basically every time I tried something. And now that I'm several years into it, that doesn't happen anymore. Um, there's still, of course, a lot of benefits to, to continuing on and, and maintaining what I have and working hard toward those incremental changes. But yeah, I think if you're a beginner, you have so much to gain early on. And it's great to have that kind of instant um, see those results really quickly. PRPB. Yours is a PR. Oh, sorry. A PB. What is a PR? A personal record. So same okay. as a PB, which is a personal best. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, just so funny. One of my spin teachers is forever being corrected because she says PB and they want her to say PR. And she never oh. said what a PR was. So I was like, oh, I'm trying to I'm trying to work this out in my head. <laughs> Thank you. So, That's funny. Yeah, they're the same thing. I can hear them exactly. interchangeably. So I think either one is fine. Yeah, yeah. Any other one story you want to leave us with from your Strong Like Her book or people that you interviewed that maybe might not have made the cut? Oh, that's a great question. Um, One of my favorite interviews was with Catherine Switzer, who was the um, first woman to run in the Boston Marathon as an official entrant. And I think her story is just, you know, she is a woman in her 70s now and she continues to really help women around the world gain access to sport, um, especially in places where they don't have it so readily accessible. Um, But she never set out to be a trailblazer. She just wanted to run and just wanted to prove to herself that she could do it. Um, But there's an iconic series of photos of a race director trying to pull her off the course when they noticed that she was running. Because at the time, people did not think women could run. 26 miles and they certainly didn't think it was safe and that she heard all kinds of things like that her uterus would fall out that she would start to grow facial hair she'd have a mustache um you know all of these things and and this really wasn't that long ago you know this was in the 60s so um so chatting with her I, I tell her story in the book was just a real joy because she took that experience. She ended up finishing, even though she was completely scared because this giant man was lunging at her. And then um, her boyfriend at the time kind of body checked him and he went flying off the course. And then she's worried about this guy, but also worried about her own safety. And and she still has 22 miles to go, you know? Oh um, but she did it and she became an elite runner. And then she helped get the marathon added to the 1984 Olympics for women for the first time. And just, you know, has continued to do this work today. And um, I'm just so grateful that we had women in the past who were willing to take these risks and push their physical potential because it gives us the opportunity today even when it doesn't feel fun to go to the gym and even when I'd rather lay on the couch and watch Netflix or whatever it is, 
I have the opportunity. I have the privilege of being able to move my body, um, mostly uh, in a way that's not judged too harshly by society, although there are limits to that. And, you know, for that, I am grateful. Yeah, I agree. I remember even back in high school, which was probably 300 years ago, the <laughs> Title IX after we got out of high school, but playing sports, getting money for sports. You went to a private school. I went to a private school. So we had the funding. But I remember hearing about the public schools didn't have this and that. And then suddenly Title IX came along, thanks to people, women trailblazers, that wanted girls to have an opportunity to have a gym to go to, to be able to race track if that was what they wanted to play basketball. So yeah. um, I love that same thing about you, what you mentioned, the, the people that were, tra- the women that were trailblazers really made it so easy for us to complain on our way to the gym, but go there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And Title IX is, you know, of everything that's happened in history, probably the biggest turning point in terms of women's access to athletics um, in the U.S. at least. And so that is when we start to see women actually being able to get into a weight room and to lift for the first time. And at first it was at the invitation of a man. Usually they had a boyfriend who lifted and kind of got them in the gym. But the the 70s, um, Title IX was in 1972, really was um, when all of this started to accelerate. Mm-hmm. And for people that are listening that don't know what Title IX is, it was a, it was a bill that was passed Yeah, it was legislation passed that required institutions that receive federal funding, aka schools, to have equal access to activities and programming and other things, lots of things for both boys and girls or men and women. Um, But what it primarily came to be known for was leveling the playing field for sports because Mm -hmm. now schools had to give um, girls, the same amount of opportunities and funding and all of that to play sports that they gave to the boys. And that was very radical for mm-hmm. a lot of schools that didn't offer girls programs or that put so much money into their football programs, for instance. Football is a very expensive sport, especially at the collegiate level. And so these schools had to then have comparable offerings for women. Um, and so we see just the rise in girls at the high school level who played sports just completely skyrocketed in within like six years um, because they suddenly could play yeah. and they had wanted to, but they, it just hadn't been an option before that. Mm-hmm. I love that you did the history. It's so much fun to trace, you know, what started, who started it and then how it continued. And now here we are today. So you can, people can buy your book strong like her on major booksellers websites yep it's available online and um at indie bookstores as well yay for the indies yes always like to support the indies especially Uh during this time and if ever they don't have a book on their shelf any kind of book you can always order a book through an indie bookseller and and they'll get it to you so that's something i like to recommend yeah that's true and and that is the beauty of an indie bookseller if they don't have it and you you know our neighborhood place they'll Always. I mean, there's been maybe a few times where they just couldn't access something, you know, out of date, out of publication, whatever. Right. But yeah. Usually they'll go out of their way to serve their customers because that's what they do. Definitely. Well, Hallie, thank you so much for being with us and giving us all of your great information and uh, especially about the science about weights and women's bodies and aging. 
really super important for the listeners to take that in. Can't wait until you start to trip and fall because it's broken wrists and arms and hips and it goes south from there. So let's all be strong women. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Peeps, I'll be back next week with another great interview. Be well till next time. Hey, before you go, peeps, I was just wondering if we are connected on social media. If not, let's do that. You can find me on Instagram at rebelwell50. Same on Twitter. Facebook, it's rebellious wellness over 50. And hey, don't be a stranger. Comment. Let me know what you'd like to hear about on the podcast or what questions you have about aging better and living rebelliously. 